Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Great to be back in Tamworth. What an awesome town this is, mate. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, in the country they brand cattle, don't they? Well, when I lived here, they, you know, they kind of branded my heart. I love this town. And so uh, it's an honour and a privilege to be back here. There's so many familiar faces and some unfamiliar faces. And I've got to tell you, if I knew everyone in the building, Daz and Bron would not be doing their job. So uh, they have done a phenomenal job leading this church forward into its destiny. And so I'm really, really excited to be here. So can we pray? Pardon me, can we pray and just get down to business this morning and let's hope God speaks in a powerful way. Amen? Awesome. Father God, we thank you that we can come together this morning. We thank you for your word. Your word says of itself that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so with that in mind this morning, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us in a profound way, that you would illuminate your word to our hearts and that we may go away closer to Jesus and more prepared to live for him in every area of our life. We thank you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, I, uh, I, I bring greetings from my wife and my three kids. Some of you that know us would know that when we first moved to Tamworth, our youngest son, he was only just this high. Well, now he's this high. He's 14 and got a size 12 and a half foot. And so who knows, that guy's going to be a basketball player. If he's not, he better be. Um, so uh, we're, we're, we're really excited about all that God has done. Uh, in this church. I drove past just the other day. I actually went and saw some friends of mine out at Baraba. And I know what you're asking. You're like, where on earth is that? And that's a good question because let's be honest, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Went and saw some friends and I took a sneaky drive up here. And this is the first time I've seen the building from the inside. And uh, if I could just indulge for a little minute and just let you know that um, back in the day when I was pastoring what was Light City Church in the squash courts next door, um, there was a pastor prior to me that led that church who, um, who, who believed that God showed him a vision that one day this place, not that place, but this place here, the old bowling alley, would become a church. And he saw a vision of God, people coming in and out, the thing heaving with life, blessing the local community. And I just want to remind you that you are living, you are sitting in a 20-year-old dream. And there are people in this room today that heard that vision, heard that prophetic word, believed it with their heart and have been serving here for years. And so I just want to take the opportunity to, to honour those that were here all those years ago that believed in that vision, that sacrificed for that vision, because there are people in this room this morning that you are beneficiaries of somebody else's sacrifice. And when it comes to the church globally, we all, whether we've been in a church for a short time or a long time, we're all beneficiaries of those that have gone before us. Amen. We're all beneficiaries of those who have sacrificed, who have prayed, who have believed, who have been there through the ups and the downs and have seen what was a 20-year-old vision and dream become a reality. But I don't want to stop there. I want to encourage you this morning that God has so much more for this church. When I was pastoring here, we were one location in Tamworth. We brought our churches together, as many of you know, and now it's not just one church, but it's, it's, it's multiple campuses across this region. And I think that is, uh, if I can just dare say this, I believe that's just scratching the surface of what God really wants to do with His people here in Tamworth and beyond. I don't know if there are people watching here this morning in Gunnedah, in Armadale. I don't know if we're linking in with those guys. Luke, we are. I want to encourage you. You're sitting in the blessing and you're sitting in the, uh, in, 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 in the provision 
vision of what God has spoken into people's hearts years ago. And I want to encourage each and every one of us this morning. I can say this because I get to drop mic after the service and get out of here. And if there's any heresy, Daz gets to fix it next week, all right? (laughs) But I would encourage you, there's so much more that God wants to do. And it's time for each and every one of us to play our part, to step up, to uh, grab hold of what God has for us in our lives, individually and corporately, for the sake of the gospel in this city and beyond. What do you think about that, Sally Abra? It's amazing, isn't it? I think you're amazing. You know, you haven't changed or aged a bit. Still vibrant, beautiful, full of the Holy Ghost and power. Mate, maybe you should preach this morning, Sal. What do you reckon? Would that be good? All right. No, no, seriously, let's get down to business. I've got 25 minutes left. Open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 5. We're going to take a quick look there this morning. Joshua chapter 5. And if you're taking notes or anything like that, or if you want a sermon title, uh, you can write down, Postured for Taking Ground. Postured for Taking Ground. That'll make sense in a few minutes. But, you know, growing up in, uh, in the Hawkesbury where I grew up, my dad and my mum, uh, well, my stepdad, I should say, who raised me as his own, wonderful man of God, was in the Air Force. He was in the, the RAF, the RAAF. Any, any currently serving military or veterans here in the uh, room this morning? God bless you. Thank you for your service. Thank you all for your service. God bless you. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, we love our military here in Australia. I hope you agree with me. We don't honour our military enough, do we? You can tell I've been in America for the last eight years, haven't you? <laughs> you can tell I've lived in the USA. We always honour those that sacrifice um, for, for, for the cause. And so... I remember my dad served for 30 years in the RAAF, in the Air Force, and he would oftentimes go out on what they call bivouac or exercise, where they'd go out in the bush and they'd play war games and all that sort of thing. And I said, but dad, you're in the Air Force. I said, you're an aircraft mechanic. He goes, son, first, I'm a soldier. I've been recruited. I've been drafted. I've, 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 I've volunteered for this role. And so out there in the bush, they do all their war games. And he'd explain to me uh, what they would do. They do various maneuvers and practice different things and whatnot. But one thing that stood out to me that he said was imperative on every single one of their exercises, and it was this. It was, it was to, 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 to secure the high ground. That was always the strategic initiative of any exercise. If there was a high point in the geography of the place where they were operating, it was to take that high ground. If there was enemies there, they were to defeat the enemy and take the high ground. Why? Because the high ground always had a great vantage point. From there, you could strategize. From there, you could maneuver. From there, you could operate. From there, you could make informed strategic decisions. And I think it's the same in life. I honestly do. I think God's purpose for each and every one of us outside of following him is to ascend to the high points of life, is to take ground and take the high points of our life. So we have a view over the scope of all that God has planned and purposed for our life. I want to encourage you here this morning. God is not finished with you yet. Right? If you're breathing air, if you woke up this morning and could fog a mirror, I want to encourage you. God has purposes for your life. He has plans for you. He has a design for you. He has something for you to accomplish. He has something in your life, your family. He wants to, he wants to do something in your business, in your area, in your sphere of influence. God has something for you. I do not believe that Jesus came, died on a cross, rose again on the third day just to make you a nice person. 
I don't believe it. I believe that Jesus came with an intent and a purpose. It was to redeem all of humanity and set them on a course of co-labouring and being a part of what He is trying to establish on the earth. Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the forces of culture will not prevail against the church, what God is building. And I don't know about you, but I've given my life sacrificially over many seasons to partnering to build what Jesus is building. And as someone who's just blown in and blowing out, I want to encourage you, I want to be bold enough to say, have you made a decision to build what Jesus is building? Are you sowing your time, your treasure and your talent into the things that God is doing through the chapel? I hope you are because God is using this church to bless this region. See, it was the same with Joshua. In Joshua chapter 5, I'll give you a quick background and then we'll share a couple of thoughts together. And then I think someone's going to ask me a few questions. So text in all the curly ones. I like the tricky ones, all right? Text, te- text me a doozy. I want to answer the doozy, all right? But here we go. Joshua was a young leader. He was around 40, 45, somewhere in that bracket. And he had taken over leadership of the nation of Israel, leading them towards what God had promised their ancestor Abraham generations ago. There's some four, five hundred years between when God promised the land of Canaan to Abraham to when Moses got the call to lead the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And here we have Joshua picking up the charge after Moses has passed. And Joshua, in Joshua chapter 5, had gotten to the edge of the Jordan. He'd walked over and stepped into the beginning of the fulfillment of a promise. So here's Joshua. It's the whole nation of Israel, the fighting men, the women and the children, all of their livestock and possessions had made it across the Jordan River, a form of or a symbol of baptism. They'd gone through this watery baptism. They'd gone through this changing of the guard, the changing of a season, a new era, if you will. And if you want to draw cultural parallels this morning, you can say, well, on this side of COVID, post-COVID, maybe there's a fulfilment of a promise that God has given us to influence this region for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you and I would, I would, I would say, are you listening with the ears that the Spirit of the Lord will let you listen? Are you seeing with the eyes that God has given you to see the changing of the, the, the season, the turning of the tide? We're talking about religious freedoms this morning. Never before have our religious freedoms been under threat in this country than right now. Unfortunately, Aussie culture kind of says, ah, oh, she'll be right, mate. It'll all work out in the end. What happens if it doesn't and the church falls to sleep at this vital and crucial time in history? We may lose the opportunity to raise our kids the way we want to raise them. And I, for one, don't think that picketing somewhere is going to make a difference. I really don't. I think that when people rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit, I think when people rise up with a mission from God, Right? I'm thinking Blues Brothers right now. I want to put on the shades and go, I'm on a mission from God. You know? I think when, when the church rises up, when they stand up in the authority that God has given us as sons and daughters of the living God, when we're like Joshua, when we cross through that barrier, that change, one generation had died in the wilderness through disobedience and lack of faith, but one generation was stepping into all that God had for them under the leadership of this one man named Joshua. And you know the story. The first obstacle that they encounter is the city of Jericho. It was a fortified city. It had been there for generations. It had been a stalwart for everything that was opposed to the kingdom of God. And here's Joshua right in front of his very first obstacle. He's got to take this thing. And can I tell you this morning, Joshua is not the meek and mild mannered type of leader that potentially Moses was. 
Moses was a bit of a diplomat, wasn't he? Handling different issues, structuring the nation of Israel, implementing the law, setting up the tabernacle. The Old Testament is full of the legacy of Moses' leadership, right? But to every Moses, there is always a Joshua. To one generation, there was always a successor. And here we have Joshua who was not a diplomat. He was not a man of the finer things. Joshua was a warrior by nature. He was a fighter. He was an aggressive kind of guy. Come on now, don't sanitize the Bible. He was a warrior. He fought people. He drew swords. He rallied people, right? He was a leader of leaders. And here's this man, Joshua. I kind of feel a little bit like Joshua sometimes. I remember I was traveling a lot for work and I came home late one night and I kind of dived into bed about 2 a.m. And my wife said, babe, the alarm keeps beeping. Keeps going beep, 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 beep. And and, And so I started trying to get to sleep and then it was like beep, beep, beep. And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking beep, 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 beep. So in, in true fashion, my wife always says, Adam, you don't know your own strength. I went, I'm like, I'm pressing buttons like crazy. I'm trying to get this thing to shut up. And I end up just grabbing it and shaking and I actually ripped the whole thing clean off the wall. And then it, the beeping didn't stop. It set the alarm off at two o'clock in the morning. The fire brigade came, the police came, everybody came and showed up. I approached the situation with aggression, whereas I should have approached it maybe with a little bit of tact. Maybe I should have pulled out the instruction manual. Maybe I should have read something, but I kind of feel like I identify a little bit with Joshua. Because in this story, Joshua encounters someone that changes and defines the course of his life from here on in. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 says, When Joshua was by Jericho, says he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and there did he worship is what the New King James says. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And so Joshua did so. A man of war confronted potentially with another man of war. Can you imagine the the tension that would have been in that moment as Joshua walking into the fulfillment of his destiny meets an adversary straight away, or so he thinks. Except Joshua's posture takes an immediate change than what you would expect from a warrior. See, Joshua roars in there all aggressive, like a warrior says, who are you and where are you from? Are you for us or are you against us? And of course, the commander of the armies of the Lord just says no. He doesn't say, I'm not choosing sides. I am who I am. And all the good Bible scholars in the room would understand that this is a significant moment. See that the title, the commander of the armies of the Lord is a messianic eschatological title for Jesus. See, the Bible says when Jesus comes back, he's coming back as a ruling king. He's coming back with a sword in his hand. The Bible says that Jesus is returning on a cloud with a sickle in his hand. He's going to harvest the souls of humanity. Read Revelations. It's creepy. Not creepy. It's awesome. It's spooky a little bit. Difficult to understand. But the reality is Jesus is not a meek and mild, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jewish saviour. Right? He's not. 
He doesn't float around two feet above the air. He's actually a warrior. He's actually a commander. He's actually a leader. Yes, he's the lover of your soul. Yes, he's full of grace, mercy and truth. But he is also willing to fight for what belongs to him. He's willing to fight for the souls of humanity. And he's the commander of the armies of the Lord standing there in front of Joshua. What did Joshua do? Joshua chose a posture of worship. Why? Because Joshua understood in whose presence he stood. See, this wasn't just an angel. It wasn't a messenger. It wasn't somebody in the flesh. This was actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Scholars call it a theophany. It's where Jesus takes on human form before the incarnation to deliver a significant message to humanity. There's appearances of the second member of the Trinity all the way through the New Testament, if you care, to study the original languages. And here is Joshua, for argument's sake, standing in front of Jesus, and this is what he does. He recognises, this is my one thought, he recognises God in the midst of his situation. And my question to you this morning, church, is do you recognise God at work in the middle of your situations? When you're on the cusp of something new in God, do you sense that you're in the presence of God? Because my Bible says that Jesus never leaves me nor forsakes me. See, the advantage that you have and I have, well, the advantage that you and I have over Joshua is that the Spirit of God lives within us. He dwells within us, conforming us into the image of Jesus day by day as we walk with Him. I want to encourage you, unlike Joshua, who was just kind of mapping it out as he went along under the direction, under the direction of God. Can I encourage you? You have the Spirit of God living within you, transforming you, changing you, speaking to you, guiding you through every difficulty, through every painful season, through every moment of uncertainty. You have a Saviour who is with you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you have God living inside of you. That's a good time to say amen, if you kind of felt like saying amen. I mean, I don't need it to make myself feel better, but if you want to say it to just agree with me, that would be great. See, Jesus stands in front of us often, doesn't he? Maybe not in the physical, but through his word, he speaks to us. Through the principles and patterns of scripture, he leads us. Through the voice of his still small voice of the Holy Spirit, he speaks to us and helps us. And I wonder sometimes if we're too focused maybe too aggressive, maybe too driven by our own desires and our own plans to see God at work in certain situations. I wonder if we assume a posture of worship on a regular basis. See, I know my natural proclivity is to kind of fix it and figure it out myself. Men, are you with me on that one? Problem arises, you want to sort it out, don't you? You want to get down the nuts and bolts. You want to call your mates. You want to pull up a bar stool, talk about it. You know what I mean? You want to figure, actually men don't want to talk about it. Let's be honest, women. They don't. They just want to get busy and do it. We want to fix it. But some seasons don't call for a man of war. They call for a man of worship. And a wise person discerns the difference between the two. Yeah, there'll be time to fight, right? Am I saying that God is opposed to making plans or crafting a strategy? No, 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 no. You read Joshua chapter six, right? God gives... God gives Joshua a detailed strategy on how to defeat the people inside Jericho. We know it, right? Hey, walk around the city, don't say a word. Walk around it once for six days. On the seventh day, walk around it seven times. Then, oh, by the way, put the Ark of the Covenant out the front. 
Oh, and on the seventh day, then shout like all bilio and the walls will come down. That is a pretty specific strategy, don't you think? See, I don't think God is this ethereal, nebulous thought or idea where we can't grab concrete, practical measures to help us through the difficulties and the complexities of life. I actually do believe that if we would take on the posture of worship first, if we'd be people that seek God, spend time in His presence, read and study His Word, there and in there we will find the keys and the strategies to do life well. Amen? It's interesting to me, it's interesting to me that Joshua, when confronted with the very real presence of God in his life, took on a posture of worship. And it's interesting to me that the commander of the armies of the Lord didn't take a side. He said, no, no, I exist outside of all of your drama. <laughs> Sometimes we want to minimise God and bring him down into our drama, don't we? Wanting to take our side over our boss's side. Or our side of the business as opposed to our partner's side of the business. Or our side of the marriage. We want, we want the principles and, and, and the things of God to help us, but not them. But oftentimes I don't think that God is, is, is even concerned necessarily with some of the, uh, the, the little complexities of our situation as much as he's looking first and foremost for a heart that's willing to bow. Has your prayer life ever become just like a shopping list of things you want God to do? Right? God do this, God do that, God do the other. That's a pretty functional relationship. Can you imagine if, you, if, you, if that's how you dealt with your, your, your spouse or your children? All right, Malachi, it's my son. I want you to mow the lawn, clean your room, blah, and blah, and blah, and blah, and blah. And if that was the only communication I ever had with my son, how rich and how deep and how communicative do you think that relationship would be? It's easy when they're in primary school, right? And we all know kids, they don't get options. In the, they just do what they're told. Well, they should, right? Any parents in there going, are you describing an alien or are you describing... They should. But when they're teenagers, right, we know that it's not about just do this, do that. It's a relationship. Things develop through conversation. That's how things work. Communication, conversation, time spent is where a relationship is built. And that's what Jesus is looking for from you. Sure, he has things for you to do. Sure, he has plans for your life. Sure, he has answers to your questions. But first and foremost, he wants you. Secondly, there was a very important thing that Joshua was doing in the presence of Jesus. First of all, he bowed. We talked about that. Recognising God in the middle of our situation and worshipping him for who he is. But God gives him a small little instruction in the midst of that moment. He says, Joshua, take off your shoes. For where you're standing is holy ground. And I think about that often and I think, well, what, what's holy? Was it like 2,000 years ago? Was there a temple there and it was bulldozed down and you're standing on the remains of some ancient temple that's holy? I don't think it was that at all. I think holy ground is wherever God chooses to encounter you. See, oftentimes we think our job is to encounter God. But can I encourage you, as Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, says, the hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit, is always pursuing us. It's not that we encounter God, it's that God encounters us, right? 
It's the, it's, the, it's the God of heaven and earth that has pursued you with His grace. We serve the Missio Dei, a missioning God, a sending God, a God that got off of His throne and came for us on earth, that delivered us out of our sin and out of our depravity, giving us liberty and freedom in Jesus' name. That's the God that we serve. But He gives us a little key when, he's in our, when, 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 when He is in our presence, right? Because He encounters us. He says, take off your sandals, take off your shoes, for where you're standing is holy ground. Holy ground, another term for holy ground is place of breakthrough, place of encounter. And what do shoes represent? Shoes represent a journey gone by. Shoes represent places you have been, situations you have walked through, circumstances that you have endured. What's on the bottom of your shoes? Nothing nice, right? Dirt and all the nastiness of the world we've been walking through. And sometimes, just sometimes, Jesus shows up in the middle of our situation, calls us to a posture of worship and asks us to remove all the detritus of our past. Now, we know it's Jesus that forgives sins. We know it's the blood of Christ that washes us clean. But sometimes, even in our washed, sanctified, you know, if you're Pentecostal, tongue-talking salvation experience with Jesus, we tend to want to hang on to things that we like, don't we? It's true of human nature. We like to omit the things in Scripture we don't like, right? And really adopt the things we do like. But that's not the life of a disciple. That's not the life of a disciplined follower of Christ. A disciplined follower of Christ is in the midst of their sanctification, in the midst of their relationship with Jesus, is to be someone that is perpetually removing, removing, sliding off, pushing to the side, the hang-ups, the sins, the troubles, the habits of the past. Now, you and I both know the Bible says we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. We're almost impossible, right, to fix ourselves. Let's be honest. If you could have fixed yourself, you would have done it already. Am I right? It's only the grace of God. It's only the mercy of God. You know, I, I, I love this notion of repentance. I don't think we talk about it enough in church, Right? We don't talk about it enough. Repentance is not, oh, woe is me, I'm so bad. I need, to, I need to repent for all of my dirty, sinful nature. No, repentance is simply walking in the acknowledgement that He is perfect and we are not. And calling on His conforming power through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us to highlight areas of our life where we need to make degrees of change. When you met Jesus, you said no to a past life and said yes to a new life. You're new on the inside instantly when you ask Jesus into your heart, right? We all know that. You're saved, you're delivered, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you're old school Christian, you'll know what I'm talking about there, right? But it doesn't mean that everything out there changes straight away. We are works in progress. We are people that God is taking on a journey. That's why, that's why Corinthians talks about us being conformed into the image of Christ. It's a gradual morphing. Do your kids play with Plato? My kids make the weirdest stuff from Play-Doh. They look, look, Daddy, it's a dog. I'm like, no, that's not a dog. <laughs> I think that's what it's like, walking with Jesus. You're like, look, Jesus, I'm a worshiper. He goes, mm, getting there. <laughs> As he forms you like clay in the hands of a potter. Amen? Final thought is, will you allow God to have defining moments with you? We often talk about Oh, I've had a defining moment. It's changed the course of my life. Well, I don't think the defining comes from us. I think the defining comes when we choose obedience over desire. 
I bet you Joshua wanted to run headlong into Jericho with all of his army and just attack it, right? Who knows if he did that, he would have run smack bang into fortified walls. Have you ever tried to tackle a situation in your own strength? <laughs> ever tried to do something with your own wherewithal, your own intelligence, your own uh, gusto, and it's fallen flat, or you've run into a brick wall, or you, that, 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 you and your spouse, you just keep missing each other in communication. You can't figure out why things aren't working, and you're striving, and you're trying to make something happen. Well, I believe Jesus wants to come in and help you in those situations. I don't know what you're working through right now. We're human, so we're all working through something, right? We've got all got something on our plate we're trying to cut up. A bit of gristle and bone gets in the way. Come on, man. We need to switch up the old butter knife for a steak knife, right? And that's what the presence of God is, the steak knife, to cut through some of the things with strength that otherwise you wouldn't have. And I want to encourage you this morning. Come on. If you want to take ground in your life, if you want to make steps, First of all, you have to be someone that's willing to be encountered by God and take a posture of worship. Humble yourself in the presence of God. Second thing is let God define you by removing areas of your past, removing hang-ups, setting you free of sins and habits and brokenness that wants to dog your step. And finally, you have to understand this, that a victory in any battle, a victory in any situation, which Jesus promises us victory, over the things of the world. Does He not? We have all victory in Jesus. It's what the Bible teaches us. We don't live for victory. We should live from a place of victory. Understanding that in every battle, the Lord goes before us. But I've got to warn you, there's no victory without obedience. It's what the Christian faith is. The Christian faith is not, I'll take what I like and I'll leave what I don't. It's not like, how do I get Scripture to conform to my situation? It's how do I conform my life to what the Bible says through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit? If you're here this morning, you call yourself a Christian, you're walking with Jesus, you believe in Him, you believe that He's the Son of God, you've prayed that prayer, you believe in your heart, I want to encourage you, whether you feel Him or not, He is with you. He's your ever-present help in times of need. He has grace upon grace upon grace. He said to the disciples, you should forgive seven times 77. That, what's that? That's an infinite amount of times. In other words, when you fall back down, you should be like the Chumbawamba song. When I get knocked down, I get up again. You never, I'm clearly not a worship leader. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never gonna keep me. Man, that's the story of the Gospel. We're human, we're clay, we crack, we're frail, we fall over, but guess what? We get back up again. Not because we're special, but because He is powerful in Jesus' Name. I gotta encourage you this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, guess what? The Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. So if you've stuffed it up today, friend, guess what? Get a good night's sleep tonight, wake up in the morning, go, God, I thank You that You're with me. You never leave me, nor will You forsake me. You've promised me that You've sealed me with Your shed blood. You've put the Holy Spirit inside of me. You've given me the power of very God in the person of the Holy Spirit. I cannot harp on this enough, whether you're Pentecostal or not. I'm not here to speak to crazy Pentecostals who wanna fall over on the ground. I'm just here to talk to people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And maybe you're here today and you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Maybe you're a skeptic. We're absolutely okay with that. In fact, we're glad that you're here because I want to encourage you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, there's a God in heaven that loves you and is for you. There's nothing you could have ever done, no distance you could have ever run, 
right? Where God can't see you, find you, love you in all of it and deliver you into what He has for your life. Just like Joshua walking into a new season of what God has for His future. So I believe God's got great things for the future of this church, corporately and for you individually. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Can I pray for you this morning? That'd be good, right? Let's pray. Father God, thank You for this wonderful group of people. Lord, I thank You for the, for the many years of legacy that have gone by that have brought this church to where it's at today. Two churches coming together to multiply across this region, to carry the message of Jesus into homes, into communities, into places where You've called it to go. Lord, I pray Your blessing and Your favour on every aspect of this church, for every family, for every mother, for every father, for every child. Lord, I pray that Your hand of blessing will be upon them, that they would know that You've got great things for them, that our responsibility in all of that is to assume a posture of a worshipper and to be defined by the moments where You shift and change who we are to be more like You so we can be the church, not just go to church, so that we can be the church in our cities. Thank You for it today. In Jesus' Name. And Lord, for those who are sitting here this morning who may feel like they're apart from You or distant from You, Lord, I pray that they would feel Your presence right now. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would know that You were close to them. Friend, you know the Bible says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. You might be heartbroken in your season right now. I want to encourage you. The Bible says that He wants to give you the oil of joy for mourning. In other words, He wants to fill you with a sense of joy, knowing that He is with you, that He has a future and a hope for you. So maybe if that's you this morning, maybe just on the inside of your heart, just give God a nod. Or if you're bold enough this morning, maybe just lift your hand while every heart... Well, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If that's you and you feel like you're far from Jesus this morning, but you want to come close, then I'll, I'll tell you something real quick and then I'll wrap it. The book of James says, if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. In other words, you've got a bankable guarantee. You move your heart one degree towards Jesus and He's right there for you. Friend, you may feel distant from Him this morning. If that's you, can I quickly pray for you? If that's you, just lift your hand in the air or you've got a note. Yep, there's hands out. There's a couple of hands here. A hand over there. So brave. So brave to admit that we need Jesus. It's not common in our culture to do that. And I want to applaud you, but please let me pray for you. Father, for those people that are raising their hands saying, Lord, I want to be closer to you. I want to be near to you. I want to feel your presence in my life. I want to be prepared and ready, a worshiper for what you have for my future. Lord, I pray that you would rush in right now, assure them of their salvation. Lord, minister to them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless them. Fill them with joy. Fill them with a sense of hope for their future, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.